The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. heaven. Father, let every ear be anointed to hear and let every heart receive, receive all that you have today, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I felt, led of the Lord, I want to uh, share with you this morning a message on prayer and fasting. And I, I want to do that because I know January is a time that many people are fasting and we've shared along these lines before. And I will also tell you why I did not announce 21 days of prayer and fasting. There's a reason, but we totally for fasting and prayer. But there's a reason why I don't announce 21 days started the 1st of January. And it goes way back and I'll tell you why, but you'll find out. So if you wanna know why, keep watching. But go with me to the book of Luke, if you would please. Luke's gospel, chapter five. And I want to read verse 33 through 35. And when they said unto him, why do your disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And he said to them, can we, can you make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them and then they shall fast in those days. Now, Obviously, people say, well, Jesus was taken away from us, but actual fact, he hasn't been, and he's actually is here, and he's actually with us. So, uh, we, we still do fast, but I'm going to tell you why we fast. Are you with me? Under the old covenant, the way they fasted and prayed is different to new covenant, because we're in a new time where Jesus actually lives on the inside of us. So, so, well, the bridegroom's, I mean, he's not here. No, he's actually living on the inside of you. Are you with me? So, then go with me, if you would please, to the book of Acts, chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And I want to read a few verses there. I'm gonna read from verse one through eight and then verse 30. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house and gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him, saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, your prayers and your alms or your giving have come up for memorial before God, now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon the tanner whose house is by the seaside, and he will tell you what you must do. And when the angel would speak, which is very interesting, you think, well, why wouldn't the angel just tell him? Because God uses people. Are you with me? And so, when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and devout soldier of them that waited on him and continued, and he declared all these things, and he sent them to Joppa. Now, if you go over to verse 30, because Peter now has arrived at the house, and he wants to ask of Cornelius, why did you call for me? So Cornelius tells him about the vision, 
that, you know, what took place. And so Cornelius says, verse 30, the, Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. So he was on a four-day fast or whatever it was in the fourth day. But he said, I started fasting and I was fasting until this hour. And about the ninth hour, I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood by me in bright clothing. And Cornelius said, and said, Cornelius, your prayers heard in your giving are in remembrance in the sight of God. And that's why the angel came. So one of the things we know that by our praying and our fasting, we begin to move things in the realm of the spirit. Now, I would say this to you that prayer, you know, people say prayer moves God. Prayer actually doesn't move God. Prayer moves you. And God moves you. God does a work on the inside of you. You pray, and as you pray and you press in, and really in your time of prayer should be totally focused. The same with fasting. That's why I tell people there's ways to fast. I mean, if you in some heavy business and you have to move equipment around, how are you going to fast and be energetic? Are you with me? And you, don't, you have no energy for your body. Now your boss looks at you and goes, boy, these people are slack today. What's wrong with you? Why did you work? Well, I'm on a fast. Well, he didn't hire you to fast. He hired you to do work. In actual fact, when you fast, nobody should actually know that you're fasting. I'm tired of looking at people half dead and half asleep, and you ask them, how are you doing? I'm fasting. Well, go and eat. Because no one should even know that you're fasting. Hashtag fasting. So fasting doesn't move God, it moves you. And what fasting is, is separating yourself. That's why it should be for a time. In actual fact, if you're going to fast, it even talks about the marriage relationship that, you know, the wife should render to her husband, the husband to the wife, except for a time of prayer and fasting. So you can say, okay, I'm separating. And honey, this has got nothing to do with you, but we're not going to be doing what we normally do for the next seven days. I'm really pressing into God. But then you need to, after that, you need to get together so that you don't break your marriage down. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. Don't look at me like that, like we should bring these subjects up, but this is in the scripture. What fasting does, it subdues the flesh. And you hear a lot of people talk about dying to self and all that kind of stuff, but, but when I meet them, they're always dying. Like, I meet them five years ago, how you doing? I'm dying to self. Well, didn't you die last time I talked to you? I thought you were dying. You're still dying. Boy, what's wrong with you? What, what we need to do is crucify the flesh. And once you crucify the flesh, you put your flesh under. So what fasting does is put your flesh under. Are you with me? Some people go on a starvation diet, like I'm, I'm telling you, I will, never, I will not eat till God blesses me. And they go 40 days. I've even heard of people going 70 days. And there's nothing in the scripture that talks about 70 days. Now you're breaking down your whole body and unfortunately, we've seen great men of God totally destroy the physical body because they went beyond 40 days or they did it in the flesh. God never led them. It's almost like they were driven by a religious spirit. I mean, Cornelius was praying. He was fasting four days and the angel came. Somebody said, do you think he carried on fasting? No, I think he probably ate. I mean, when... When, when you receive the answer to your asking, then you step into a place, okay, I've got it now. 
And I know people that could fast 100 days and you wouldn't get anything. I tell you right now, because I've met them. Because it's a, it's a relationship, it's not a ritual. Are you with me? Don't look at me like that. Fasting breaks the strongholds that have been holding you back in your life. If you think about what's been holding you back, well then when you set aside the time, somebody said, well, pastor, I've been fasting for 40 days. I can't break the stronghold. Boy, get saved. Get baptized in the Holy Ghost and put your flesh under. Because what they do is they, they subdue their flesh for a period of time and walk in victory and then they get victory and then they stand up and then they go right back to doing what they were doing again. Then they have to go back to another fast to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it this time. I'm going to conquer this thing that's been bothering me. And instead of getting the victory, instead of growing in the things of God so that the things you used to do, you don't do anymore. You don't give way to the flesh. Are you with me? And then you must understand your body needs food to survive. So you have people on an extended fast and they're hangry. You know what I'm saying? They're hangry. They snap at everybody. They're mad at everybody. What's wrong with you? I'm on a fast. Well, go, go to a mountain cabin with just you and a bear and go lock yourself away in that cabin and fast until you get to answer, then come back and act normally and stop acting like an idiot. Because they're hangry, hungry and angry at the same time. So fasting will subdue the flesh, will break strongholds, and deliver you from bondage whatever, whether it be something internal or something external, like something that's just been, it's a blockage. You, you believe in God to buy a piece of property, but you can't buy the piece of property. You've tried, you, you're trying to build a church and you can't get, so you separate yourself and you pray and you pray in the Holy Ghost. And what you should do for that time period of prayer is actually not be around people and not be on the phone and not be on social media, hashtag fasting and put a picture up of the meal that you're eating because you decided there was a Daniel fast and we would look at it, you realize Daniel didn't have it that good. So people got all these Daniel fast recipe books and stuff like that, and they come out of a 40-day fast, they're fatter than ever. <laughs> oh, I'm on a Daniel fast. And, and, and I, I gave up meat and you're on potatoes. They're eating these big potato pies and all this kind of stuff. Daniel didn't have that. I'm, I'm on a vegetarian diet for, for what? Well, that's all you are, it's a vegetarian. I'm a meat eater. I eat meat. Meat is good to eat. So I always tell people, set aside time for praying and fasting. So maybe for you, because you're busy in your work and what you do, the only thing you can do is set aside one day for a proper fast. One day, just say, okay, one day a week I'm going to fast. But God could lead you on a three-day fast where you take off a vacation time and you separate yourself for three days. Or you can do four days, or you could do seven days, 
or you could do 21 days, or you could do 40 days. But I don't know any person that fasts 40 days every year that I've met them, and they tell me all the time they're fasting, and I promise you, oh, brother, I don't see any change. Because when you fast and you do it correctly, there should be a change, period, period. I've heard preachers preach, said, I just came off a 40-day fast. I look at them and go, you should have eaten. No power. Something's wrong. Something's wrong if you do all of what the Scripture says and there's no power. Somebody said, well, what could it be? Well, maybe you got the wrong motive. If you just fasted to grow something, I'm going to fast to grow the ministry. <laughs> Again, you failed. Wrong motive. You fast to spend time with the Lord. Are you with me? Maybe television is consuming your time. You put that off. Maybe it's a sport or a hobby that's consuming your time. You put that off. And then it's involving food too because you love food and you can't stop eating. So you put that off. Are you with me? What's getting very quiet here now? Did you know even the term breakfast, 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 because you go to bed and you wake up in the morning, then you have breakfast, you break, your, you broke your fast overnight. Are you with me? Most of the students are on a fast too, by accident. And then they sit living off of ramen noodles. How are you doing? I'm on a ramen noodle fast, Pastor. But supernatural things happen. And I want to say this because people, I've seen people get so weird with this. And, and, and they think that if you're spiritual, you're weird. If, if something is weird about you, then we're going to get it out of you while you're here at the river. Don't come here and act all super spiritual and act all weird. You're not, it's not going to fly. If you come around me acting weird like you're anointed, I'm not even going to spend time with I don't spend time with weird people. I'm not a weird person. I'm a normal, everyday person. I can relate anywhere I go. I can talk to anybody. I'm not like, I don't speak Elizabethan English. I don't want to, yea, verily, I say unto thee, marvel not. You can go anywhere into any place. Obviously, I'm a different kind of a person because I'm not religious. I don't operate into the religious structure. And when, when you're spending time with God, if it's making you more religious, then what are you doing? Because all you're going to do is go around and put people into your religious formula, and you're going to make disciples of religion. And they're not going to win souls. They're not going to cast out devils. They're not going to lay hands on the sick. They're not going to be givers or sowers of seed. Their whole life, there's not going to be much fruit. You can look at the fruit of what comes out of the river, and it's all people that are normal. They love their wife. They have the children. They, they love people. They help. They sowers of seed. They win souls. They cast out devils. And, and they're doing the work of the Lord. Now, there's some odd, weird ones that come along who thinks, you know, that they in heaven most of the time, and they're not. 
You're not in heaven. You're not living in heaven. You're actually on the earth. Some say, well, Jesus comes to my house and talks to me every day. He doesn't. You're smoking crack. Every afternoon at three o'clock, an angel of the Lord appears in my house. It's not the Lord. What do you mean, Pastor? I've been around the greatest men of God ever to walk the earth from, if I go back to be a child, that were there in the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. None of them, none of them were like that. They were all just everyday people that God found and began to use. And they might have some quirks about them. That's fine because you are what you are. Are you with me? But you're a normal everyday person. And you can walk. There's certain people, I can't even take them to go meet somebody because they're just, they're just weird. They're spiritually weird. I mean, the anointing comes on me, but you don't see me running around jerking all the time. And you walk out with them and they feel that. And you go, what's wrong with you? Well, I felt the anointing. Bro, we here with sinners. They don't know what's going on. Take it easy. Go in your room, get touched, and come out here. Let's minister. So remember, I've met a lot of normal great men of God, and then I met a bunch of weird people. And you mainly find them in the charismatic movement. Everything's a word from God. If a butterfly flew through you, it would be prophetic. I'm just saying, yeah, I use a lot of illustrations. See, I preached, they work with me. I saw something fly, I just took a guess it was a butterfly. Are you with me? But they, they would make something prophetic out of everything. And it doesn't work that way. That's not how things are. Amen. Oh, brother. Years ago in Oregon, my brother was preaching at a church there and everybody was standing around the speakers because they said they glowed. And it was a prophetic sign. And my brother looked at me and said, there was nothing glowing. But they'd been on a long fast and the speaker was glowing. Um, ha, 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 then. And people said, I was sitting watching you online and my dog lifted his paw and went and put his paw on somebody. But they've never prayed for the sick, but now the dog laid his paw. What did he say, heal? I mean, God doesn't destroy you to destroy your marriage or your home or your children or whatever. 
Some said, well, I'm anointed. I can't have a family. Well, you should have thought about that before you got married. I'll tell you what I've learned over the years now. It is more important even now to spend as much time with your family as possible. Husbands, spend as much time with your wife, and parents, spend as much time with your children. Go overboard in spending time with your family. Listen to what I'm telling you. Go overboard. If people accuse you, say, I can't believe it. Every time they, 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 they're with their family, they're always with their family. It's very important. It is that important. Are you with me? And if you're single, you just spend time with yourself. <laughs> you know, it's always once a week I'm going to get into singles because I've got all these singles looking at me. So say this after me. Fasting and prayer is a relationship, not a ritual or formula which I think most people are just looking, just tell me what to do. Okay, go on a 40-day fast, do this, then they go do it, they come back out, and they're still not better off. Because it's a relationship. In actual fact, I've ended up on a fast, not, I didn't even say it was a fast, I just never ate. I, I didn't feel like eating. I, people say, you want breakfast? No. You want lunch? No. You want supper? No. I'm, I, I didn't feel nothing. I, I had that happen to me several times over the years in extended meetings. Are you with me? We in a place believing God for breakthrough, and I just, I just, I'm not interested. It's like you don't even think about food. Food just goes from you. It's not like you're sitting there uh, fasting and you're watching the cooking channel. You press into him because you're hungry and thirsty. I spoke to one preacher, and he went in his country to a mountain, and he was praying, and I felt the Lord say, call him, talk to him. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm a fast. I said, how long have you been fasting? He said, like 73 days. And, and it was no food, no water. And I said, brother, you need to stop right now. He said, well, my wife has told me. I said, you need to stop right now. Well, that guy actually ruined all his motor skills for probably seven years, couldn't even walk, couldn't talk. He's coming back now. But that was a minister in his prime, in his 30s, that was having mass crusades. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm fasting for miracles. I said, you already have miracles. You already have. Somebody said, I want more miracles. Then just keep having meetings. Miracles will come. So I pray for him, and then I've had other people. We, we had somebody here who was a member of our church, and they fasted 70 days. They brought him in on oxygen, into my, of, into my office, on oxygen. And I put my hands up and said, in the name of Jesus, and I prayed for him. He, he jumped up, was instantaneously healed, but doesn't come now to the church anymore because he's now a prophet. He's a prophet. Well, what do you do? I, I'm a prophet now, so I don't come to the church. Great. We got you healed. We should have sent you on to heaven. 
How, do, how does suddenly you becoming a prophet take you out of the church? How does that happen? When we have every kind of gift right here, pastor, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, but now you become a prophet, so you're out somewhere else in somebody's garage with 40 people because they accept your prophetic ministry, but we don't acknowledge the fact that you're a prophet. I'm not here to acknowledge your prophetic gift. I'm not here to declare you're a prophet. Your gift will make way for you, and everybody around the world will be saying that person's a prophet of God. We're not here to acknowledge anybody's gift just because you say you are that. Your gift will make way for you. If you're an evangelist, signs and wonders and miracles are going to happen. Everybody's going to call you an evangelist. If you're a prophet, it will be evident. And that's something that is developed over a period of time. God does not put novices into offices. And everybody can call themselves an apostle, but that does not make you an apostle. Apostle is a sent one. Now, I'm trying to protect people because everybody, God's hand is on you. God's calling you to do specific plans and purposes. And I know about the anointing. I can, you can get my book on the anointing. I've done this for a long, long time. I've watched, I've watched people crash and burn. I've watched people pass me, explode, and blow up. You don't even hear their names anymore. I've watched people that were part of revivals of the past, and they were leaders in that revival. They'd lasted five years. They're gone. You never hear from them again. They're just, a, they're just a shadow of what they used to be, because it's not about a series of meetings. It's not about a crusade. It's not about that crusade and this crusade. It's about your daily walk with God, and it's about your daily relationship with God, and when you walk Walking out of that relationship, things are going to happen wherever you go. I don't have to be on a platform for stuff to happen. I don't have to be preaching a meeting for stuff to happen. Everywhere I go, stuff is going to happen. Because when you walk in the supernatural, the supernatural becomes a way of life to you. And you're going to see that happen. So when we fast, we press into Him. We're hungry and thirsty for Him. We, we, we shut off all the other stuff that's on the outside, and we do it joyfully. We don't do it mourningly. It's like people are separating themselves to be with God, but they're not with Him, so now they're upset because they're not with Him. They don't feel God or whatever because it's a, it's a ritual. It's not a relationship. This is very important. Don't look for manifestations. Don't look for visitations, and don't look for angels. So just because Canadians, oh, I tell you, I'm going to do that. I'm going to fast and pray, but you're not a giver. So, you know, I mean, God visited Cornelius because of a reason. He, he was a godly man and he feared God and he pressed into the Lord. So this is very, very important that you grab a hold of, of this, that you put your heart before the Lord and you talk to him and allow him to do a work in you so that he can do a work through you. And it's not over here. You've got to renew your mind to the Word of God, and you've got to put your flesh under. But your spirit man can grow by putting the Word on the inside of you. Can you say amen? And then you follow the promptings of the Lord every single day. Now, let, let me, I'm going to talk to you about living a fasted life and how you can do that. But let me, let me throw this in because I, number, point number five was living a fasted life. Point number six was my aversion to an announced 21 days of prayer and fasting. Should I go to number five or number six first? Okay, so here, figure this. So I arrived in America December of 1987. 
and we go to Louisville, Kentucky, and the church, the, one of the main churches there announced, because we arrived December of 87, and I'm around there, they're all in 21 day of fasting and prayer. So I said, well, great. I mean, he announced the whole church, we're going 21 day prayer and fasting. So at the end of the prayer and fasting, I was with them. I didn't see any difference in the church. I didn't see any difference in the preacher. I didn't see, I didn't feel anything. I never saw a breakthrough. So I look for results. Always look for results. When I walk on the job here every day, I'm looking for results. I want to see where we are on the timeline. Okay, show, show me what's happened. I want to see it. If I go to Operation Eden, I want to see stuff growing. I don't want to hear that it is going to grow in the sweet by and by. It better be growing now. Are you with me? I'm looking for results. Amen. If, if, if you you married and your wife is pregnant, you can see the results of the pregnancy. She begins to increase and... Uh, I mean, that's just the way it is. Maternity. There's results. Amen. When the baby is born, there's results. The baby is birthed. You hear the noise. You know there's a baby in the house now for the first time. Are you with me? The smells are different. The aromas are different. Are you with me? Amen. There's, there's, you can see the results of those things. The kids grow up. And so it was like that 88, 89, 90. 91, 92, 93. Every year, the same thing. And I didn't see any change. I'll preach in the church. I thought, oh, God, get me out of here. And the, all the people that were associated with him did the exact same thing. And I went to their churches, and it was the same thing. I had to, I had to bring revival to those churches, but they felt they had it because they were doing 21-day fast. And I said, you don't understand. You do, this, you're doing it out of Ritual, you're not doing it out of relationship. I actually looked at the pastor and said, if I fasted as much as you did, I'd walk on water and raise the dead. I'd be raising the dead every day. I said, are you kidding me? And the worst is in the back room before you go out to preach, they always come and they always come and grab your hand, okay? So because all the elders will come around and they grab your hand and we're going to go out to go preach. Now, Lord, thank you for Brother Rodney. Lord, you sent him here today, oh God. Father, that you would... Here's him today. Oh, God, anoint him. And I'm standing there going, oh, Jesus. If I'm going to go off of your prayer, I'm just going to go get in my car and take off down the road here. Because it's a waste of time. These are the people that spend hours in so-called. When you pray, stuff happens. When a person that is connected with God, when they pray, things happen. They don't mouth words that are empty. When they preach, stuff happens. They don't just talk and reams of scripture and nothing happens. I look for results. Don't come tell me you fasted so many days. Where's the results? And I'm not taking away from fasting. I believe in it. But then you better be the proof that the pudding is in the eating because we can see the fruit in your life. Because of what you do carries weight in the spirit. Can you say amen? Right. You know, they looked at Peter and John and they perceived they were ignorant and unlearned men, but they marveled and took knowledge of the fact they'd been with Jesus. That's right, that's right. So, this is very important. I'm tired of seeing people, no power, no display of power, and uh, I, I don't want that. And when people have a powerless prayer life, a powerless walk, no results happen. That's a red flag to me. It's a red flag. 
I mean, even all the prophecies, they prophesy dreams, and there's nothing to it. It's like it's just words. You don't feel anything. When it's a real thing, when the word of the Lord comes out, you can feel it down into your spirit. They'll drop all these flowery words, and the Lord would say, Verily, verily, yea, hitherto have I not said anything. And it's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. And it's amazing how these people come along prophetically. They always have a word for you, but they don't have a word for themselves. Well, where's the word for you? Look at you. You need God more than me. Come give me a word. Because we're not supposed to live that way. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. That's what we teach you here. Every one of you can hear God for yourself. Can you say amen? So, how many understand? So, I mean, we, we could call. We do all-night prayer meetings. Who was here at the all-night prayer meeting? You know, that, that 12 hours, you watch what's going to happen in your life because of that. If God leads you on extended fast, go ahead. But if I watch you walking around with a long face, looking like you've been baptized in lemon juice, I'm going to take a stake and shove it right in your face. And if I see that you have no power in your life, then I'm going to question. Did you really do that unto the Lord? Or was that done to be seen? Because no one should know. You should wash your face and you should act totally normal. And no one should even know. Just so you know, I'm fasting. Great. We have to put up with this now. Oh, brother. How long are you doing it for? I'm leaving town. (laughs) Let me know when it's ended and I'll be back. There's times that I've separated myself. There's things I've done here at the church for a 40-day period of time. Nobody really knew. Only people very close to me knew what I was doing, but they didn't know. Because I never announced it. I never announced it. None of anybody's business. You press into the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. And if you if you're gonna when you're gonna fast, the time that you should be eating, that's the time you're studying, praying, worshiping God, and you can't do it with friends. You can't say, I'm, I'm, I'll go out and eat with you while you eat, and I'll just sit there. I'm fasting. Look, I'm not coming to eat. I'm not coming around food. I'm, I'm away from that. I'll do it when I'm off of this. Are you with me? Because they always, they always slide you a fry or something. People, people get upset because you're fasting, then they want you to eat. Hello, how many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, how long do you do that? Why do you do that? Have a piece of cheesecake. <laughs> Look, I like, I like cheesecake, but right now, I don't, you know, people always, and then especially when you travel in the ministry, because you go to a church, and then they all want you to eat, especially when Sister Mary Sue makes the best pecan pie with both sides of the Mississippi, and they want to, and, and she break this cake for you, Pastor. She, she brought this to you. 
Thank you. I know of a pastor that actually took a board at his house and put a spot on it and called it the spot. And so when the people said, how was that pie? He said, it hit the spot. Because otherwise, if you eat everything everybody brings you, you'll be like a, you, you'll need a dolly to move around. We, we go to churches and preach and they give you one of these guest baskets. There's no ways in a hundred years. You're there for one night. There's like a, ba- a bunch of bananas and there's everything in there. And you go, how do I even eat any of this stuff? They said, did you enjoy the guest basket? Um, yeah, I ate a little sliver of that and that. But, I mean, bunches of grapes. I mean, it's like, I don't know if they think we come from starving places in Africa, so they want to bless you. They give you this guest basket with all the stuff. I went to one church, they even asked for the basket back. They did. At the end, can I get the basket? Belong to my mother-in-law. Look. Now, yeah, you're trying to stuff the food away because you've got to give them an empty basket. So you dump the food in the hotel room. Here's the basket. Boy, you loved that, you loved that fruit basket, didn't you? I didn't, even, I didn't even eat it. But he wanted the basket back because he's saving money. When you're saving money on your fruit basket that you gave to a guest speaker, you are in serious trouble financially as a ministry. Are you with me? Tell your mother-in-law, stop making baskets. All right, let's talk about living a fasted life and then we'll wrap it up for the day. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Let God lead you on that. Husband, wife, children. And remember, I told you this last week. My mother fasted three times. I know she did two 21-day fasts and did a 40-day fast. My own mother. And she did it with just water. No food. So there was no energy drinks and no broth and all this kind of stuff and people drink an energy drink or juice or nothing like that, just water. That's actually a true fast. So I would rather you take a day and do a true fast than try to fast with energy drinks and coffee and stuff. Are you with me, personally? Somebody said, well, I'm doing six to six. Hey, whatever you want to do, that's fine. I, I've been in the Middle East. I've watched them do six to six. And then they stop themselves at seven. I, to me, that's not my style. I just tell you right now. If you're going to fast, then set aside a day or two or three. And if God leads you, that'll be led by the Spirit, and you will see it'll be evident in your life. Amen. Because here's what happens. Some people say, I can never fast. I'll never be able to do 21 days. No, but you could do a day a week. Every one year, how many think you could fast a day a week? So everybody could do a day a week. So you could set aside a day. Because then people say, well, I'm always going to be inferior and I'll never amount to anything because I can't do a 21-day fast or I can't do a 40-day fast. Has God led you to do a 21-day fast? No. Then at least do once a week. So, because Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast. So it's when you fast. And that's something that the Lord has to lead you into those times of separation where you are pressing into God, spending time in His Word. Husband and wife can make a decision. That day of this week, we, we spend that day in prayer and fasting, and you cut off everything, cut off everything else. If you're working a full-time job, it's really hard, especially if you're in manual labor. Are you with me? 
So you'll have to sit maybe a half a day. I'm going to take a half a day and I'm going to press in. That's why the all-night prayer meeting is so important because whether you realize it or not, that was a fast. You laid aside your sleep in watchings. Paul talks about it. Are you with me? You pressed through. There were a couple that were dozing at four. I did see a few doze. But you separated yourself to press through the whole night. And how many feel like something happened on the inside of you during the all-night prayer meeting? And every month we're doing all-night prayer meeting. So maybe you want to do that and say, okay, that's going to definitely be a time of a prayer and fasting for me. I'm going to be part of the all-night prayer meeting, and then I'm going to do something on Friday, and I'll do it on Saturday too. And Sunday you can do You don't have to go eat at Studio B afterwards. You can fast. You can do a three-day fast on the Friday of the all-night prayer meeting and pray through the night and do the Saturday and do the Sunday. That would be three days out of every month. That would be huge. You know how many days that would be a year? That's 36 days in a year of prayer and fasting. Are you with me? And then you're growing and you walk with God and your relationship with God. But don't, you know, don't try to copy other people. And I know there are churches everywhere around the world, they all do that kind of stuff. And whatever. I'm the pastor here. God never told me to do that. And I'm not going to copy anybody. I don't care who they are. I'm not, we don't copy people here. We do what God tells us to do. Are you with me? And we, we do the all-night prayer meeting from 6 to 6. Other people do all-night prayer meeting. starts at 10 and finishes at 2. That's not an all-night prayer meeting. Just because you went past midnight. An all-night prayer meeting is all night. It means when it's dark, you're praying. That means you start praying when the sun's going down, and you stop praying when the sun's coming up. That's an all-night prayer meeting. Can you say amen? amen. And I just grew up in that. So, and I'm not against anybody. If, you, if you're in the middle of a 21-day fast, continue it. Just do. But if I find your long face and I find you hangry, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> and we've had a couple of students over 25 years of the Bible school trying to get a little weird. Because they know better than what we know. They're students coming to learn, but they know more than we do. And we've been doing this for a long, long time. And I'm only going to tell you what's going to help you. There's no one that's going to encourage you more than me to see God move with signs, wonders, miracles, and in every realm of your life. Can you say amen? God's raising up mighty people here. Well, three of them said amen. So you could skip a meal if you want to, especially or who works a full-time job. Okay, then, then be there on time and give everything you have and don't be slack in the thing because you're doing some spiritual stuff behind the scene because the testimony is not good. So skip a meal, but during that time, pray and study the Word and worship. Don't talk to people. Fasting is not on the phone for four hours. I'm going to fast. <laughs> Sound like you fasted to me. Amen? Is this helping anybody here? So once a month, we're going to do all-night prayer meeting. At least once a month, you could fast a day or two or three, at least once. 
Who thinks you can do that? Okay, so let's, let's build this into a discipline, a spiritual discipline that's part of your DNA. So as I said, Cornelius fasted four days. You can fast a day a week if you want to, or do three days, or seven days, 21 days, or 40, as the Lord leads you. But again, I'm concerned for people's health because they do it for the wrong motives, the wrong reason, and then they fast in a wrong way, and they destroy their body. So we're dealing with pastors that are 40, 50, 60 years old. They have diabetes. They have every kind of, all because of extended fasts that they never looked after themselves. They didn't understand. They just thought, I'm going to go on a fast, but they didn't understand. They don't understand your body. Your body needs food. If you eat junk, it affects your body. If you don't eat, it affects your body. If God leads you on a fast, the Lord will sustain you through that fast. Can you say amen? So, Again, I'm going to say this. No one should know you're fasting. Just turn down the invite to the birthday party. And don't set up a 21-day fast over people's birthdays. Because then that's going to be rude, especially if three of your friends' birthdays fall in the second week of your 21-day fast. I'll come to your birthday party. We'll pop balloons. And that's why I tell people, lay aside all the other stuff that you spend your time on, the hobbies, television, things that you do, and just lock yourself away. Just stay in the room, study and pray. Wait on God. Somebody said, well, I haven't seen you. I'm busy right now. I'll be out. I'll be, I'll be there shortly. Amen. And then, of course, as a husband, you're going to look after your children. So you can't say, get out of here, Johnny. I'm fasting. You still have to take him to school. You still have to be a husband. You still have to take the trash out. Are you with me? Tell you what. You take out the trash. I'm pressing into God. I'm fasting. <laughs> so this should not be a burden to you. It should be a joy to you because you're spending time with the Lord. We're not spending time with the God that's dead. We're spending a time with those moments when you look by, six hours have gone by, and you think, oh, what, what happened? Six hours went by, and you're writing things down, and you're praying, and you're worshiping God, and, and you look again. You start in the morning, you look again, it's four o'clock in the afternoon, you say, what happened here? That's what it should be. That's how your marriage should be. Amen. Boy, did you hear the atmosphere changes as I said that? <laughs> That's how your marriage should be. You should be spending time with your wife and you don't even, you go, what happened? The time just went. Not my God, can't wait to get away from her. Is this helping anybody here? So I say this because people say, well, I want to be like Jesus. Well, Jesus wasn't married and he didn't have children. Just so you know. 
Jesus was not married. He didn't get married and he didn't have children. And you're not Jesus. So stop walking around your house like you're Jesus. So let me wrap it up with this. So when you press in to God, and I want to challenge you with this, we will announce to you in the next two weeks when the night of prayer and fasting, which will take place in February, when it'll be, and then you can designate what you're going to do. And again, if you want to do one day, great. If you want to do two days, great. If you want to do three days, great. Don't tell anybody. Just, I'm going to press in. You already got 12 hours, you're going to be praying. So the other 12 hours, you're not eating, and you're going to be praying as well. That's at least one day. I'll take one day a week of proper doing it. Then all your 21 days you can give me every year because that's going to give you 12 days a year. And then if you add another day onto that, that's 24 days. And if you add another day onto that, you can imagine how it works. And that way you can still be in your work, in your job, still married, have your wife who loves you, Amen. And your children, you're still spending time with them instead of telling them to shut up and get out of the room because you're getting close to God. So here's what's going to happen. Breakthroughs will take place in every side, even physically in your body. God will show you if there are ailments within your body, the Lord will show you exactly what to do. <clears throat> you can pray. God will tell you that thing you're eating is wrong. Don't eat that anymore. That would, you know, the coffee you're drinking or whatever. Some people need to cut down on certain things. Sorry, King's Arms. But some people need to cut down on certain things that they're consuming because it is having an impact on their physical body. So you'll see a breakthrough physically. you see a breakthrough mentally. Your brain will become clearer. Are you with me? The thoughts that have been bugging you are not going to bug you anymore. You bring those into subjection, which is not uh, hard to do, really, once you take authority over it. Amen. And you begin to renew your mind to speak the Word of God and you speak over yourself, over everything around about you, that the Word comes out of you. And then spiritually, your spirit man's going to be stronger. You know, people feed their body three hot meals a day and the spirit one cold snack a week. And so their body is, has got food in, but their spirit man is so weak, if you just blew on them, they would fall over spiritually. I'm not talking about falling under the power. I'm talking about they would fall over. They can't stand any pressure spiritually. And then financially, you'll see the breakthrough and the release in, in your finances, in your family, in your marriage, in your home. And God might lead you to press in for certain family members and pray over your family, pray over your kids, mention them to the Lord every day, pray over your grandchildren. I tell my grandbabies every day, I pray for you every single day. I've already started praying for future grandbabies. I don't mean great-grandchildren. Are you with me? I started doing that because, I mean, they're growing up now. So I started praying for that. I started even praying for the people that would marry them. Father, you're going to bring them the right one, not some frog or lemon. So I'm praying fervently. I pray for my kids. I pray for my, my, my daughter-in-law, my son-in-law. I pray for them. Every day I mention their name to the Lord, every single day. I pray over you 
Every day, Father, I pray for every member of the River Church. I pray, Lord, that you bless them, that today is a supernatural day, that you strengthen them, that you're with them, you're about them as a wall of fire, that you protect them. I mean, that just is a habit. It's a habit. I don't wear a habit, but it's a habit. Can you say amen? And just pray over them. It doesn't take long, just a few minutes a day, just thanking God. Thank God for your wife. Father, thank you. Bless my wife. You strengthen her. She's stronger than before. She, her youth is renewed like an eagle. Amen. Hallelujah. Pray for my grandson, AJ, that you bless him today. I pray for the grandbabies. Amen. It's important that we do that as a way of life. So, just so you know, I probably pressed into the Lord the last 12 months more than any other time in my life. And I'm pressing in because there's some big things that God wants to do. And normally when you find somebody who's been in the ministry as long as I have, they just want to retire. There's no mention of any retirement of anything, it's not even in my bones. It's not even around me. And we're gonna see many raised up here. Many raised up. Some of you sitting here, I'm telling you, God's gonna prepare you the next three years. God's gonna put stuff in you and get you ready. And when you finish here, he's gonna launch you like a missile into a nation, into a region, into a city. And you're going to see things happen supernaturally. And for all of you that want more of God, don't, don't try to get it. Just get up every day and do what he tells you to do. Do only what he tells you to do. It will all come. Don't be in a race. I mean, there is an urgency, but it will all come. You have to stop along the way to smell the roses. Are you with me? There's time to take a vacation. There's time to take a holiday. There's time to get married. There's time to get married. You can step aside from the crusades to get married. It's time to have children. Amen. It's time to do what we need to do in life. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many needed to hear this today? So, so don't be, don't, don't, don't feel, oh, I feel so bad. I'm not on a 21-day fast. I am not on a 21-day fast. And I don't feel bad. That doesn't mean to say I haven't fasted. So if anybody says to you, why aren't you on the toilet? One day they say, my pastor's not. <laughs> and I'm following my pastor. But develop this into your life as a way of discipline. So you're not walking around feeling spiritually inadequate. Every one of you have power. Every one of you have the anointing on the inside of you. And every one of you are closer to God now than you were two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. You are closer to God now. You've drawn nigh, you have drawn, you have drawn nigh to Him. You are closer to Him than you've ever been before. And you're going to get even closer this year. This year you will know El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. And you will know Him in your daily life, in your walk, in your talk, in your prayer, in everything that you do. And every day is going to be supernatural. 
Now you hit a blockage in some sort and you just, okay, give me a day, I'll be back. Are you with me? You hit something, you feel, man, we, there's something wrong here. Okay, I'll, I'll talk to you later. What's wrong? I'll talk to you next week. And then you just take the time and you press in. And the word will come and the Lord will show you exactly what to do. Can you say amen? There's not been one time that I pressed it. And it, it, here's the thing. This is the reason why, and I'm closing with this, the reason why people never hear from God, because they just go through the fasting thing. I actually am waiting to hear something. I actually am listening, and I actually am talking to God. So when you talk to God, God will talk to you. So, and I talk plain, like, Father, now I go and lock my door to my room. And I'm in there, and I'm not coming out till I have the answer. And they've been, the staff will tell you, I go in there for three days. My wife's in there with me, but she knows what I'm doing. Are you with me? We'll talk, but I'm pressing in, and I'm going to get the answer from heaven, and I'll just, I'll be just, I'll be there. I might not be out loud or what, but inside I'm just, I mean, I'm talking to the Lord, and I'm just like, and then, and then like with a day, two, three, it's boom, suddenly there's the answer, and I go, do, I, the Lord said, do this, do this, do this. I go, okay, okay, that's it. I come right out, and then everything's great. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll, go in, I'll go in for days. I won't even shave. I tell you, this week's been a miracle. I shaved Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I shaved every day this week. My wife's so happy I got rid of that fuzz. <laughs> come on, people. We've seen great things. God's doing great things. You have the anointing. The anointing lives on the inside of you. We're not taking away from anything. If you feel to do something, go ahead. I'm not telling you what to do. Do whatever you want to do. But then I'm expecting to see the results. Can you say amen? Because I look for results. That's why we got to where we are today, because I looked at everything that was broken and said, we ain't doing that. We're not doing that. I watched it all. I watched all the ministries function. Everybody's trying to get somewhere. And God's already done it. He's already done it. We don't have to try to get somewhere. We're already there. We just have to walk it out. Can you say amen? And that's what we're doing on a daily basis, walking it out. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God will bring people before me. I'll pray for them. Sometimes the Lord will help me call them out of the blue. God will bring faces of people in front of me. And then he'll say, call them and tell them this and that. Other times, nothing. Just everything's great. It's all good. I'm not going to go looking for some word. God knows where to find me. Just like he did when that fire came in my room at 10 minutes past 2 in the morning. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't fasting for it. I wasn't asking for it. But it came. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. It came. <laughs> and when it came, everything changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Them that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Listen, it's like all these churches, 40 days of purpose, and everybody's on the 40 days of purpose. And every minister writes a book so everybody can do the 40 days of whatever. Seriously. Hey, bro, talking to the wrong person. Amen. Pastor Rodney, I've just written this book on prayer. I look at the guy. I know he doesn't even pray. It's evident in his life he doesn't pray. I heard him pray. He didn't pray. Let me close with this. We have a book that's coming out in two weeks on kingdom business, which will be the first one, and then we'll broaden it up because it's going to end up being a hardcover. And so um, I'm going to bring some out in a, in a hardcover. And I'm, I, you know, I give away more product than I sell. So people say, well, how are we going to sell it to cover the cost? <laughs> I don't think I've covered the cost on anything we've written. I don't do books to cover costs. I do books to put in the hands of people. Are you with me? So we probably, as a ministry, give away more product than any other ministry that I know. People leave you with bags, books, tapes, whatever. And that's been, it's also my way of sewing. So I don't do something looking to make some money. That's why even with our music albums, you know, it would be great if we made some money with them. But we give away more music than you can ever imagine. We've been sewing stuff for years. Amen. We do albums and we just release them. We give away everything. We just make videos when, when, when they had videos. But I'm gonna get, we're going to get some DVDs so people can actually put them in and play them because all the stuff online people are losing. You can't even pull it up. How many know what I'm talking about? If your system is outdated, then suddenly you can't access it. How many know what I'm talking about? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to bring out some stuff that we can actually you can have it tangibly in your hand because I think we've gone back as a society. Can you say amen? So um, I just want you to know, we love you so much. You guys are phenomenal. You're doing great. What do you mean? You're doing great. If you follow the Lord, you're doing great. If you listen to the voice of the Spirit of God, you're doing great. And I watch people doing the all-night prayer meeting. I can see, man, God's doing great things in you, you know. And, uh, yeah. It'll all come. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be impatient. It'll all come. It's all going to happen. If you're in a hurry, you end up messing things up. And just so you know, I don't think not eating for a day and then stuffing yourself at 9 o'clock in the evening is a fast. I'm just going to say that. Because that's what they do in the Muslim countries. The worst is to be on holiday in the Middle East at the time of Ramadan. Because you can't get any supper. We eat early. You can't get anything until after a certain time period. And we don't eat late. So... Well, that's all I had in my spirit to share with you today. And um, I, probably, I probably will announce the next night of prayer and fasting tonight. 
so you'll know when it is, so you can set aside your spiritual discipline according to that. And I know we were packed out Friday night, people in the lobby, but I brought you in because it was a little cold. Amen. In February, we actually have a building. In February, you're going to be able to come and pray. No one's going to be left out. Amen. Did you get something out of this? How many needed to hear this? Who felt like some of the questions you had was answered? Let me say this, learn to walk with Jesus every day. Just learn to walk with him. Talk to him just every day when you wake up. And talk to him in the shower. I talk to him, I'm sitting on the toilet talking to him. I talk to him in the shower. I talk to him while I'm getting dressed. I talked to him while I drive down the road. And then do what he tells you to do when he tells you to do it immediately. That's the key. That's the key. If you bow your heads right now, right across the place. I want to give an invitation right now if you're watching by television or you're here sitting on the field and you fit in any one of these three categories, I want to pray with you and for you. Maybe you've come here today and you've never given your life to the Lord, but today God's calling you. Jesus is standing with arms wide open and he says, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He says, come. What would happen if today was your last day on the earth and you breathed out your last breath? Where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I want you to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You don't have to go to the devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, he paid the price and today you can be free. Will you just say, yes, Lord? I surrender my life today. I don't want to go my own way. The Bible says it's a way that seems right to a man, but then the end thereof is death. Will you surrender to him? Will you say, yes, Lord? He loves you, and he calls you today. And he says, come. Maybe you're here, you're watching in your homes. You say, Pastor, I gave my life to the Lord in days gone by, but I've grown cold. I'm not serving God like I should. It was a time when I was on fire for God, but something happened and I lost my first love. I've lost that peace, that joy that I once had. But today, I'm, I'm coming back to that fullness that I once had. I want the joy of my salvation restored back to me. Would you let him do that for you today? All you have to do is humble yourself and say, yes, Lord. Maybe something hidden that no one can see, pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, Lust, the hidden things of the heart 
that clogged the heart of man, but God calls you tonight, says come. He calls you today. He says come. Some of you are watching in different regions of the world. He's calling you right now. We live on Hong Kong cable right now. It's nighttime. He calls you. The satellite covers the footprint around the globe. He's calling you. Maybe it's not hidden. Maybe it's something outward that people can see. And you say, Pastor, if people already know what I've done, and I'll never amount to anything. But let me tell you, God's a God of a second chance and a new beginning. And he says, come. Will you surrender to him afresh? Maybe you're sitting here today and you say, you know, I've been serving the Lord for many years, but a storm came against my life. A sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that rocked my world. But today, I want to come back. Today, I want to fall in love with Jesus all over again. As a Christian, you can look inside your own heart and you can determine what the temperature of your heart is. You're either hot, lukewarm, or cold. You're the one that determined I'm going to be on fire. Today, I will not be lukewarm again, but I will live in the fire of God. And then lastly, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I love Jesus with all my heart, but I don't have the assurance that I'm a child of God. And I want to know. I'd like to have that assurance. I'd like to know that I know that I know that I'm a child of God. If you could pray for me today, that would be great. If you fit into any one of these categories, right where you are, quickly, just slip your hand up and say, pray for me. I need Jesus today. Raise up high. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Raise up high. Hand right near the back. Another hand right at the back. Anybody else right at the back? Another hand over there. Just slip it up high. Another hand over here. Raise up high and say, yes, that's me. That's me today. Today is my day of freedom and liberty. He calls you. He says, come. He says, come. You can put your hands down. I want you to look at me, please. Across this beautiful pavilion, if you did not raise your hand, but you want to be included, slip the hand up and say, include me today. Thank you. Anybody else? Just raise up high. What about in the middle? You didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Slip your hand up and say, yes, Lord. Yes. Today is my day. On this side of here, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Slip your hand up. Thank you. I want every person that raised your hand to stand right now, please. Stand across the building. If you bring your personal belongings with you, come stand right here. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Ushers, if you'd help them, just come. You that are watching in your homes, you can stand right in your home. I'm going to pray with them, and you can pray with me. Come. Come, dear lady, come. Turning back. No turning back. No turning back. 
The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me. Behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. could take the whole world, but give me Jesus. You could take the whole world, but give me Jesus. You could take the whole world. Give me Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. I want to just say this to pastors watching on the rerun. If you are a local church and you want the move of God, you're going to have to decide. You're either going to have it all the way or not have it at all. To just bring an evangelist in for a few days as a token to demonstrate that you have revival when in reality your church doesn't have revival. You are playing with fire because here's what's going to happen. You're going to set your people. You're going to show them that there's more of God while showing them that you don't have it yourself. And then your people are going to leave your church. That's why either you go all the way with God or stop playing games. I'm just going to say that right now. There's preachers watching, and you want to bring an evangelist in to be a token for revival to try to show that you're in revival, but you're not in revival. Your church is not in revival. Your deacons are not in revival. Your elders are not in revival. Your other pastors are not in revival. You just brought him in from the outside to bring something you don't have, but you better get it yourself. If you don't get it yourself, it'll destroy your church. Your church will be finished. Because those people are going to realize there's more of God and they're going to leave. I'm just telling you. Don't say I didn't warn you. There's a lot of people in America playing around with revival, but they don't have revival. And they play around with the Holy Spirit, but they don't let the Holy Spirit have control. They want the Holy Spirit for the, the benefits of what they think it's going to do to grow their ministry and grow their church. Which in actual fact, it could empty your church. Not that the thing's wrong with revival, but people realize there's more of God. Why haven't they talked to me about it? Why did they not tell me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues? Why did they tell me I could pray for the sick? Why did they tell me I could cast out devils? Why did they do that themselves in the church? So I'm just speaking to someone watching right now. You're a pastor. Just letting you know. You either jump in to the river, but you don't sit with your toes and dip them in. You don't sit and dip your toes in. You get in all the way. And it starts with the leadership. You can't bring in something you don't have. The moment it's gone, it'll be gone.
And then the people start looking and wondering where it is. Amen? You know who I'm talking to right now. You're watching me? Yeah? I'll help you. You can come around here. I'll help you. I'll show you what to do. Somebody said it's scary. Uh, yeah, especially when you've been going for a long time and you've never let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. But it's an adventure. Amen. You might not be popular with the people in your movement. And you might not be popular with the people in your denomination. But you'll be popular with God. And that's what you have to decide. I want you to close your eyes and raise your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. And we're going to pray one simple prayer that fits all. If you've been busy with God today, God means busy with you. You that are watching in your homes, you pray with us as we pray with them. Say this out loud. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead. I will be saved. So, Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. Thank you right now. By faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I receive the free gift of salvation. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. Jesus is my Lord. And from this day, I will serve you. And Lord, thank you now for saving me. Now, Father, I pray that you seal them now by your blood and by your spirit, that on that day not one will be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them to impact their generation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard-Brown or for additional resources, visit Revival.com.